How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the Zoocast. I am Adam, joined alongside by Louie and Josh, as always. Uh, the Sens are still playing hockey. That's why we're still here. And it's been a, 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 bit, of a bit of a weird week for the Sens. Um, I think last time we left off, we had just seen the debacle of the Minnesota game, and we were fresh up. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were fresh off that. Were there, have there been any other games besides Vegas? Tampa. Happened. Oh, yeah, Tampa. Tampa. Tampa, right. So the Sens have played two games. Two more losses, yeah. Two they more losses. At one point in the last yeah. four games. Yeah, two more losses that both involved conceding five goals again. So I think that's four in a row now, five, five goal, goals against, right? Yeah. Because Chicago, Minnesota, And like Vegas. 28 in six games. Pretty cool. It's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Um, not bad. It doesn't help that their best goalie is in the AHL right now. But, I mean, to be fair, he was part of those losses too. Uh, but yeah, Philip Gustafson is sent down. A lot of people weren't too happy about this. Uh, yeah, he... I think, like, you can look at every stat. You can spew it every which way you want. I think it's pretty consensus that he's been the best goalie that the Sens have had in the last 10 months with everybody, right? Yep. Like, it's, it's it a little... Because the way his contract is structured is he has that second year is a one-way, right? So he will be, like... So he'll, he's going to be here full-time next year. There's, like, no doubt about it. But I think the reason people are so frustrated is that he's, like, he's so clearly the best goalie. And as a coach and a general manager, you should be playing your best players every game. And he's in the AHL. So you can talk about Branson with that, too. Um mm-hmm. Especially, especially with DJ having said, like, we're going to play the, the best, best goalie. goalie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whoever is our best goalie that will get us a chance to win, he will play. And then he got sent down. So it's kind of ridiculous given, like, no matter what stat you look at, whether it's, like, advanced stats, like, goal saved above expected or just save percentage or, dude, wins. Like, he has more wins <laughs> than fourth yeah. Bergen Murray combined. So it's kind of yeah. ridiculous. And especially given that, yeah, it's a one-way next year, so... Obviously, we won't have Forsberg next year, so I don't get why they're not well, willing to put him on waivers again. I think we we were talking about this yesterday, and we're like, the reason that they don't want to put him on waivers is because they like feel bad for him a little bit. Because like, of last year. Because yeah. of last year. He was on waivers, what, like four times, five times last year before he got picked up by Ottawa, and then he was like, he's on like three different teams, four different teams, finally, quote-unquote, found a home here, which... You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it. I don't know how much he should be playing. He has not been very good. But but I agree. I, I, I think next year they will roll with Murray and Gustafson. Forsberg most likely won't be here next year. I, I, can you imagine if they sign him again? There's no way, right? I mean, unless Murray is gone and they want Forsberg to be the backup to Gustafson because they think Gustafson's the starter next year. Like, the thing about, like, them keeping Forsberg because he's they feel bad for him, well, maybe other teams just shouldn't claim it. Like, yeah, 
He just yeah. clears waivers. Find a home in Belleville. I mean, he's on a one-way, right? So, I don't know. The I thing think with the the thing with like sending him down with to Belleville or even Gustafson is that you already have Sogard and Mandalis like you know rotating down there, and it's you're running out of spots for all those guys, right? Who's do we have someone else starting in the ECHL? I don't think so, right? No, it's Chris Neal. His name is Chris Neal, I oh think. God. The goalie. I think they have a goalie named Chris Neal. Don't quote me on that. I might look that up okay. right now. But I remember this was like a joke for like an hour on Twitter in the summer. And I just want to make sure that it is the Atlanta Gladiators. Yeah. Uh I guess they'll send down Mandalese though. If like if Gustafson just got sent down, they'll probably because you don't think they'll rotate three goalies. Like they need to get some reps no. in. So they'll probably yeah. no, get Mandalese Chris, down. Chris Neal is a goalie for the Atlanta Gladiators. He's played written the same two- way. Yeah, written the same way. Wow. Oh no. No. Yeah, no, yeah, I think so. Or is it what? Neil oh, with an Chris, I? It's Chris Nell. Oh. oh. <laughs> I thought it was Chris Neal. Anyway, the, there's a goalie in Atlanta named Chris Nell. I thought it was Chris Neal. That would have been quite funny. But anyway. Well, at least hockey DB says Chris Nell. So. Right. Who knows what I saw? But yeah, they 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 I mean, the plan, yeah, like, let's assume Forsberg is, is gone next year. Then it's it's Gustafson and Murray should be splitting it, and whoever plays better is going to run with it. And, what I mean, all signs point to that being Gustafson, to be honest, but we know, we don't know what can happen. We say this all the time. We'll say it again. Goalies are stupid, and we have no idea what will happen next year. Maybe Murray turns like a god, and then Gustafson sucks. I don't know. And then in the E or in the AHL, it'll be Sogard and, and Mandalese again. Um, Marilinen, I guess, is still in Kingston. Yeah, worst case, yeah. he can always go back to Finland if he ever needs like reps somewhere. Like he's he's the starter in Kingston, isn't he? Yeah, yeah no, I'm just saying, like in the future, like yeah, coming sure. years. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they they have Murray for three more years. Like they just have so many goalies. Like at at some point, they might just have to trade. Like if they're looking for especially a piece, like a forward or defenseman, I don't think using one of Sogard or Mendeley's would be a bad idea in a tr- like using them in a trade to acquire someone. Cause if you're looking at it, like I think most people think Gustafson's the goalie of the future right now. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I I'd say second on the goalie prospect depth chart to me is probably Sogard, mm-hmm. but obviously goalies don't have a ton of value, like prospect goalies just because especially, yeah. you know, it's not like we have um like a Devin Levi or Spencer Knight type prospect in the system anyways. But that's that's a position that they have a ton of depth at. I think one thing that is worth noting, and I don't know, I wonder if you, I don't know if you guys remember this the same way that I do, but back when Gustafson was like in the AHL, no, not a lot of people thought that he was the goalie. Like not a lot of people were putting that on him. Like he's the goalie of the future. Cause he wasn't playing very well in the AHL. A lot of people put a lot of stock in Hogberg and he came up and, and obviously we all know what happened with him last season, but I'm just saying like people didn't vote, like people didn't really dub him the goalie of the future until he came up to Ottawa on a fluke call up and played well. And then you know, you have the same case with guys like Sogard and Mandelis. Obviously, people look at Sogard like, wow, this guy's huge. Second second round pick. Like, sure, he's the goalie of the future. 
but maybe more so with a guy like Mandalese, nobody's really looking at him as the goalie of the future right now. But you don't know what you have there really until maybe he comes up to the NHL one day and, and is insane. Like that's what that's the thing with goalies is you, a lot of people don't know what they have until they come up to the big league and perform. The argument with that is like the AHL structure. I mean, the AHL is all yeah. the players that are just not quite good enough to make the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people tend to think, and this is players who have played in the AHL and just people in general say like the structure of the game down there makes it a lot harder for a goalie. But with that being said, Ottawa's decor doesn't have much structure either. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like, it's not like they're doing any favors by being called up, but you see, like you look at Gustafson's numbers when he was in the SHL and then when he came over to the AHL and then what they're looking like in the NHL or like, he was very good in the SHL. Yeah. Very good. You know, when he played for um, Sweden at the World Juniors, he had very good numbers. The only level he struggled at is the AHL. Right, like last yeah. year, he played in the All Svenskin during the COVID shutdown. He posted, he put a nine twenty up, like, and I mean, like he had a nine ten in the AHL last year. It's not like he was awful. Yeah, he just wasn't. At the a year level before, I don't think. The year before, I don't think he was great. No, he had an eight eighty nine. Well, yeah, the thing is, exactly. he didn't really start that good last year. Like he was yeah, more heating up. Sure. Whatever, but yeah, he and then he just started heating up later on. Like I think he got rookie of the month or goalie of the month, or not rookie, probably goalie of the month in like January, February. So he was getting more and more acclimated to the environment down there. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that I really I really just think that goalies are just so like I it, you have no idea they it, it could change year to year legally. Like, and I know that the AHL is, is a bad structure league, like you said, and that plays a factor in it. But if that's the case, then maybe Mandalese or Sogard come up to Ottawa. Let's say, hypothetical situation. If one of them were to come up to Ottawa this season, would they be, they probably perform better than they did in Belleville, right? If, they, if you're Possibly. making a structure argument. Sure. So then, you know, typically you have two possible goalie of the futures or goalies of the future in Belleville right now, which is kind of the point of drafting a goalie. You think they're going to be your goalie of the future. But I Trading think then... Derek Broussard for them, but yeah. <laughs> yes, well, sure. But I think I agree with Josh in the sense that you can't afford to give one of them up because you have a lot. Like you said, you have a lot of goalies. And I think the need, at especially at defense, outweighs the what you have at goalie right now. Like, you can afford to to take some off of goalie to put it on defense because that is like really, no, yeah. <laughs> you really I need mean, to. Here's the thing, like they, they just called up Brandstrom, right? Which we'll touch on a lot later. I'm excited to talk about that. But I think that they, like if, if they could package, like let's just say that they put Mandelis and a second for Dylan Strom. Like I think that would be perfect. Like you change from a position of depth and then you give up a pick, but not a too big of a pick, right? You're mm-hmm. not giving up a first for a middle six forward, which they also need. Like Tim Stutzel's on the third line, and he's playing with Chris Tierney. And it's like, and Parker Kelly. Of course he's not. Yeah, of course he's yeah. not going to get points. Like he's playing with. I mean, like Chris Tierney's had a good start to the year, but he's not an actual goal scorer. Everything's going off his body and in. Does he even have an assist yet? It's a good question. Like, yeah, I thought he had five question. goals, zero assists. Like. It's just you – I don't know, first of all, the the fact that Formington's on the second line now instead of um, Stutzel is a whole other thing. But, um, like, why do you, you – you know, you draft a guy through the role, he's in his second year, and now you're giving him guys 
who are clearly a level below him. Like he needs guys on his level to produce. And yeah. I don't know. I, I know Pinto should be back soon, but like if the rebuild's over, this is where you go and acquire pieces that you know holes in your lineup. Well, would you would you consider splitting up the top line to put Stutzel with a couple of those guys? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Instantly. Um, I'd put yeah. I'd put Stutzel with Batherson, those mm. two guys together, mm. and then leave Kachuk well, with Norris maybe. So yeah. do maybe Kachuk, Norris, and Connor Brown once he's back. And then Stutzla, Pinto, Batherson. Once that he's back nice. too, once Batherson's back. Because then you have you don't really have a first and second line there. It's kind of like a one A, one B where you've balanced it a bit, but it's still both of them are quite strong. And I think they would both, you know, that's a stronger alternative than what they have now, where you kind of overload one line, which is Kachuk Norris Batherson. And then your mm-hmm. second line is like it's like Connor Brown, Nick Paul's been there for a bit, and like Alex. Alex Warrington, just not really a second line. Like, let's no. let's not kid ourselves That's a third here. Line. Yeah, at best, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and actually makes... it's not a it's a pretty good third line, but it's yeah. it's not a second yeah. line. That makes your third line: Formington, Paul, and then someone on the right Ennis. wing. Ennis, <laughs> or even like if Sokolov got called up, right? If he sticks, he could be third line right wing. So um, even Parker Kelly wouldn't be the end of the world there. I don't think he's a much of the third line no 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 but i'm just saying it goes with that style of whatever because they also they always want some sort of identity line and like paul and formant yeah. have a little <laughs> bit of chippiness to them so more so if paul. dj yeah. yeah i so you touched on sokolov we touched on branching earlier i think we should get into this because i think that this call up these two call-ups also scott Saber and also Three got calls, called up, yeah. but we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna discuss that because <laughs> <laughs> There's no point. Um, obviously, the reason that Brandstrom and Sokolov are up is because of the COVID outbreak, right? Like, they would not be called up. Like, let's, we're assuming that they would not have been called up unless they had to have been called up. Yeah, but DJ... DJ said his, the quote today, right? Yes. Where he's like, we just wanted to give Brandstrom more reps, is what he said in the AHL. So who knows if that's him, you know, just covering his tracks or if he's actually telling the truth, because they did say this exact same thing last year before calling him up. Right. Yeah. So who knows? At least he's getting some NHL time throughout this whole process. I think of everyone in the organization, I think DJ has got is getting the worst look here or he he looks the worst in all of this. In my opinion, here, I'll explain. I'll explain. He says, at the beginning of the season, he said in this press conference, I remembered this line ever since he said it back in whenever he did his opening season press conference. He says, I learned from my mistakes, is what he said. <laughs> Has right. he made any indication at all this year that he's learned from his mistakes? Any. I think zero. I literally yeah, don't think I agree. he's yeah. done their, their defense is worse now than it was last year when they had Good Branson and Coburn in the lineup. I'd say, like, so far. I, I agree. I, I what definitely like agree with the, you. the results. I'd say like that bottom four after Shabbat and Zub. And like we haven't even touched on the fact that he split up Shabbat and Zub for the last Which is their only And that went terrible. That went yeah. awful. Because both Shabbat and Zub did worse than when they were together. Mm-hmm. Like not not like you know, they both managed to do okay. Like they both did pretty poorly relative to what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and just it's, stupid. Like, sorry, Louis, go ahead. I was just going to say, and it's not like it ended up helping the team in the end. They still led in five goals and lost. Like, it didn't yeah. even help the grand scheme of the team. They scored less. 
it's just like it seems like such a fills off like an easy fills off issue would you rather have one good pair or zero good pairs <laughs> seriously it's like you look at it and you're like we could mess up the only good thing we have and make like three bad things or we could just like have our one good thing and our two bad things seems pretty easy to me and and like dj gets this at the end of last year when the sends were like popping off and everyone was pumped and everyone was excited look who was on d it was shabbat zub was there branstrom was there mete was was there with like jbd was there for a bit and they were playing on real and then dj goes out and says i've learned from my mistakes and then plays like the worst defenseman like instantly and way too much I just like yeah. I, I have no reason to be confident in him. I I, I, I I was gonna give him a break when they signed his his contract extension. Like okay, the guys like him. Like I'm sure he'll switch around. We're on the right path. I'm not. I'm no longer. I don't think I can fully say that I'm confident in him anymore. I don't think so. I, I agree with that. I think like even if okay, so I I think Jacob Bernard Docker right now like he's fine in the AHL. They don't need to rush him to the yeah, NHL. I agree. So if you add Branstrom to the guys that they currently have we can't just act like DJ Smith has six above average defensemen to choose from, yep. right? Like it's not fair. like he has, so he has Shabbat and Zub for his pair. And then what I would do is Brandstrom and Holden. And then no matter what he does on that third pair, it's not going to be a good pair. Like you'll you probably put Mete on the left. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. So here's a, it's a weird spot because I think both, both things are true that one, DJ Smith loves Zaitsev. He thinks he's an elite defender, but at the same time, even if he did it, yeah, even if he didn't, I think management would force to keep him in the lineup because of his cap hit. Yeah. So it's like a weird spot where it's like, it doesn't even matter what DJ Smith thinks. Like Zaitsev is going to be in the lineup. Now, should he be playing third pair right D? Probably instead of with Shabbat. But I don't know. I mean, they can make a a better top four than they currently have if they play Holden and Brandstrom up there, I'd say. But yeah. it's not like they're gonna have a you know an elite decor anyways. I agree with I agree with you though to a certain extent. Like it doesn't seem like he's learned from his mistakes. And we've seen we've seen both those pairs work in the top four. We've seen Shabbat Zub throughout the entire beginning yeah. of this season, and we've yep. seen Bransom Holden in preseason. So it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it, but, it's quite incredible actually how this keeps happening. And it's it's yeah. it's funny because like I was we were watching the well, we like all individually. I'm assuming you guys watched it too against Tampa. Yeah. Like it's like the last couple minutes of the game. And I don't know why they didn't just put Shabbat and Zub together with the empty net. That's true. Like yeah. They put Zaitsev yeah. out there with an empty net. It's like, I have no faith when the puck rims around the right side, when Zub was on the ice, I was like, okay, this is staying in and they're going to yeah. work their magic near the blue line. And when Zaitsev's there, it's like, all right, he's going to bobble it on his blade and it's going to balance the blue line. They're going to go down and score an empty net. Or he's, or he's just going to grab it, fire it way over yes. top left yeah. of the net, rim around. And then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think this may have changed closer to the end of the game but like of all the six d's who had the least amount of ice time out of everyone of, of i all didn't know that d. that's crazy yeah that's um i can go check exactly how much time he played but like his time on ice went way down and it's like he's he's the second best defenseman on the team by far that play he so he played 16 minutes which was the oh least he's God. played all year he played he hadn't played under 24 funniest part about that specifically is that when DJ Smith said the I'm learning, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna learn from Zub my mistakes. He cited Zub specifically yeah. as the example. He was like, I should have played Zub more, and now I will learn from this and play Zub more. <laughs> and then he literally, Josh just said it. He played him the least. 
he's he's undoubtedly objectively the second best defenseman on the team and the drop off from two to three is like ridiculous huge it, yeah. it is so i think this whole thing ties into a big overarching sense theme that the entire organization the pro scouting sucks it has been so bad for so long like people talk about trent man a lot and they're like do they draft so well like look at all these guys that are drafting and there's arguments for and against that and i can understand why you would think that there's, there's definitely an argument to be made where they're good at drafting i can accept that as an argument when was the last time the Sens made a good pro trade like a trade for or with a pro player that did not work against them besides dad not oh, the one that they okay. just yeah, okay. well, that one <laughs> does not like it's, it's so no, stupid but that, that wasn't even a pro like the carlson trade like it was for prospects so it wasn't even like exactly a, yeah yeah but okay. and the other the mm. thing with the pro scouting is when you're a team with a budget like the sens are pro scouting is an area where if you hire really smart people you can work to have a good like a team that puts out more for their cap hit like like the best example i can give is the fact that they're putting two million dollars a year of their already tight cap to michael delzato who's yeah. a healthy scratch more than half the time and when he's in the lineup he's like the yeah. way i was thinking of him the other day like he's basically like eric brandstrom but a bit worse at offense and i'd say a bit worse at defense yeah. and nowhere near as good in transition like brandstrom is like yeah, he is but, literally yeah. just an older eric brandstrom and yeah, i mean i don't think he's as good yeah yeah but it's like so you the only difference is that he's older so in dj smith's mind he's better defensively but nothing supports that argument no no <laughs> like, it's i don't know i i want to get it i every even every time there's a game like i was gonna say every season but like every time there's a game i get excited about the sense and like this is it they're gonna break out they got all this talent then I see the pregame lines and I get mad and then I watch the game and I get mad because it's like so easy for them to do like anything else than this. Like seriously, there were so many clearly like comically avoidable mistakes that were made in the building of this roster and like in game too. And it's just like, this is fine. Like we actually, this is a quarter. This is like page two of the master plan or whatever it is. Like this is, everything is going according to plan. But I, something's got to give here. I, I think like, I don't think I trust DJ Smith to – I think DJ Smith was a transition coach at best. I think he's the guy that gets the guys like oh, – I'm sure he's a great guy. Like, I'm sure DJ's a great guy, and I'm sure the guys love him. But you cannot tell me that he's done anything to instill confidence that he can make them win. I just don't think that that's, that's true at all. Like, something's out of change. I think they're I, – I think the Sens are, like, I don't know. The way that I see it is the offensive output – based on the actual offensive players they have is actually kind of impressive. Like how much offense they seem to generate given when you look at the lineup, like yeah. the guys that they're playing. How efficient those um, guys are playing, yeah. But the the defense completely negates it. It's like... Yeah, exactly. And it's funny um, because he, he stresses that. defense so much. And it's like the biggest issue by far. I mean, we could go on for the whole episode about defense, but like I just... I never understand this. It's not even just DJ Smith. It's like so many coaches and yeah. people in high positions in the NHL. It's like they don't understand. To me, it feels like they don't understand that concept. But and it's just like like when you say that, like people are like like I don't know. Like people might take that the wrong way. Like they're. It's just like people think like if you're a coach 
right? You're in the high echelon of, of hockey knowledge, uh, allegedly. So an outside opinion from a 19 or 20 year old podcaster <laughs> means nothing to you. You tune that out and you don't even listen to it. But it is like, look at the facts. Like it's so, you're right. Like you're correct. And then all the coaches are like, I worked hard to get here. I'm sure they did. Like I worked hard to get here. I have my, my ways and my strategies and I'm, I, I know that they'll work. Well, they don't work. You, you change, like listen a little bit. It's, it is, it is a little frustrating because you do make a good point. Like it's not just DJ. It's a lot of coaches. That oh think the yeah. Same it's way. throughout the entire hockey world. It's ridiculous. They all think the it, same way and the same problems happen to every single team. And then all the guys on the internet who are quote unquote stupid and nerds don't know what they're talking about are like, <laughs> here is like exactly how you prevent this from happening. And the evidence that shows that it, you can prevent this from happening. And then they were like, actually this guy is big and large and I just, block shots. I just don't see like the how you can either look at stats, how you can look whether it's advanced stats or just goals against or just watch with your eyes and be like, you know what we need? We need Josh Brown and Nikita Zaitsev to take up half of our time on ice in the game. Yeah. yeah. Like I want to know what the argument is. What suggests that Nikita Zaitsev is an elite defender? It sure isn't his ability to get the puck out of the zone. It isn't his ability to play in front of the net, right? Like, even if you look at Josh Brown, the two straight games now, the Sens have been scored on because Josh Brown is above the top of the circles in the defensive yeah, zone. That's ridiculous. It's, it's, I was going to touch then, on this. And, yeah, because – so I was just going to continue on that story. Yeah, of course. I was watching the intermission show, and Mark Mathot was like, yeah, this is just, you know, really bad, like, leaving his man. You know, like, Victor Mete did a really bad job here all alone in front, and he leaves his man. It's like – Josh Brown is closer to the blue line than he is to his own net. Yeah, and this was right off is. a face-off. It's not like it was, you know, like he was up in the play yeah, or whatever. Not a line change face-off. He just skated up to the blue line. And some people were trying to argue, like, oh, that's his man, that's his man. Like he was puck watching for the last five yeah. seconds of that. He could have got back to the front of the net. Do you think I don't like, know why? Do you think that's a set play off the draw in the D zone that Josh Brown is? The Josh to Brown like... rush? Yeah. What is he gonna do like, after that? Like, he gets would... it. <laughs> skate for two seconds and then have like a bobble like no why else but like it goes against every single knowledge that you were ever taught in minor hockey as a defenseman and a defensive zone draw like actually have you ever had a coach in minor hockey we've all played minor hockey right where it's like okay guys d zone draw defenseman make sure to leave the front of the net and pressure the point and then who doesn't okay. have the puck yeah like what are you talking what is like i would love to sit in on a practice with where they do this and what DJ's telling them, like, hey, Josh, you know, good try. Be a little higher next time. A little, a little closer to the blue line. Like, what? Really? And then I feel bad for Mete, because what's he supposed to do there? Seriously. He's got, like, multiple guys to cover. And then yeah, Nick who, Paul even tries yeah. to come back. And that's why people were like, oh, bad coverage by Mete. Nick Paul's a forward. He shouldn't even be doing this. No. Or it, was it, 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 was it Connor Brown? Even realized it, was it was Brown know. and Paul were out there, yeah. Yeah. But Okay. Uh, it's ridiculous. Like, and even, like I was saying. What what happens if you successfully rush the player down? Like what they, they shoot it off real quick. You get the puck, you skate two strides, you bobble it because you're Josh Brown, lose it, they come back and you're still further up the ice. Yeah. Like I, it's ridiculous. That's I, I could I could excuse like the Josh Brown miscues if the reason he was in the lineup was to be an offensive player like Shabbat was. Because then he provides more value. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they actually but he doesn't do anything offensively. He hits I saw a picture. I saw a picture. He had three guys coming off. I'm not sure who it was. Three guys coming off the bench, 
with their sticks on the ice, ready to take a pass right before the blue line and enter the zone and get a rush. And he just hits the red line and rims it around, gives it right to Tampa, and they come back and almost score off the rush against the center. Yeah. It's like you could have given them a three-on-two if you just made a little pass. But he just plays like, all right, all my job is is to try and get it out, fail, and when I finally do, just dump it in and change. And it's like, what does that provide? Right? Like, no, okay, literally nothing. First off, you're you're not you're not even suppressing goals. But in theory, if you were, your your actual offensive ability is literally zero. So you're still a negative player. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, it's... man. Go go Sens. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all that we can say right now. We'll see. We'll see what the lineups are tomorrow because they have. So Nick Holden's out. So they still have 7D, so someone has to be benched. Right? It's like someone's going to be healthy scratch. So it's Shabbat, Zaitsev, Del Zotto, <laughs> Brown, Mete, Brandstrom. So what do, what do you guys think the D-pairs will be like tomorrow? Do we want to make some... If they brought up Brandstrom, to scratch him. Especially I'm, after saying we wanted to give him reps. I'm going I to will lose it. my mind. I, I, that's it. That will be the last straw with DJ. Like, I know I've said I don't have confidence, but that will be the actual last straw. If they scratch him tomorrow we're recording this on a monday if they scratch him tomorrow against boston you will not hear you, from this podcast <clears throat> here's the thing too i think it would be hilarious if they managed to put zub with someone other than shabbat and brandstrom <laughs> yeah oh. like like let's like i'm trying to think so it'd be like shabbat zaitsev delzato delzato zub and then brandstrom and josh brown like that's going to be the unreal is that Oh, that would be Mete is out of the lineup. Yeah, I don't think they're going to put Brandstrom and Mete in at the same time, even though it know, went man. really well no. last year. That's Brandstrom, like, that's, Mete, that's same sac- pair? sacrilegious. It's blasphemous. <laughs> same pair. It's they unholy. both shoot left. They're both 5'9 defensemen. You know, what? Like, you know what? That's a good theory. So what if when they're like looking at stats for like how good the decor is, they just add up their collective heights and say, okay, so there's 6D. We need the average height to be above, like let's say, 37 feet. The, the total height, sorry, of all six guys has to be above 37 feet. So that means, you know, they got to average six foot two. Anything under that, and we're going to do bad. So we can't have two yeah. five nine guys in at once. No, that's going to bring the average way down. You would need like yeah. two Charas to bring that one back up. Or, you know, four Josh Browns. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> but the que- here's, here's my question. So with Holden out, because Holden's Brandstrom's ideal partner. Yes. With Holden out, would you guys rather see Zub with Shabbat? Or sees Zub with Brandstrom, so that Brandstrom probably looks a bit better because he actually has a competent partner. I well, I I would put Zub with with Brandstrom, and now because I think because you know the Sens know what they have in Shabbat right now, like this they know, but mm-hmm. I I don't actually think they know what they have in Brandstrom. Like I don't actually think they understand what he is. And so if you put him with an ideal, like Zub is the ideal, like I know Holden is yeah. the ideal, but like Zub is the ideal partner for Brandstrom. So why wouldn't you put him in a position where it's like, this is going to be the highest peak of this player that we have is when he's in this role. So I would totally do that. It doesn't matter who Shabbat plays with. If it's not Zub, it's going to suck. Like either way, like who, who what are his options? Zaitsev, Josh Brown, and Del Zotto? That's going to be so- terrible. So I'm writing them down right now. So this is what if if they do what we hope tomorrow, it's going to be Shabbat Zaitsev, Brandstrom Zub, and then Michael Delzato and Josh Brown on the third pair. Yeah, we're going to lose that game. I think we're going to lose that game. Hear me out. You do 
Zub Zaitsev first pairing. So you have a ZZ top pairing. Nice. And then you have Mete Delzato for an Italian pairing. And then, <laughs> Brand and, and then no, you scratch Brandstrom, obviously. It's <laughs> yeah, right. And then Shabbat and I guess Josh Mete. Brown. Josh Brown. No, Mete's with Delzato. The, oh, yeah, yeah. For the friends with uh, Gallimore pairing, because they were the thick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, we can. We could talk about the defense all day, and we have done that before. But there is another part of the team that is the forwards. And with the Sokolov, so who's out at forward tomorrow? It's Connor Watson Brown and Dylan Gambrell. Watson, Gambrell, and, and Connor Brown. Okay. Oh, yeah, Watson too. So that's yeah, Ennis forwards. coming back, right? Ennis, is, Ennis, I believe, is back. Okay. So that's one. Sokolov and Sabrin would be the other two. So, so they have 13. So I, I think Sabrin will be the healthy scratch. Who's So who are the. Oh, Parker Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. So 13. Okay. So you got to think like, I, I don't think they call up Sokolov just to healthy scratch him. No, like, they'll they'd probably rather. So we'll say Sabrin's a healthy scratch. Thank um, God. You wouldn't expect them to like scratch like Kelly because no. then you just assume that Sabrin's would have been the guy called up when Kelly was first called up. Yeah. So yeah, we'll say, we'll say Sabrin's out. So um, I think I mean they're they're gonna keep the first line. Yeah, probably. I was gonna say DJ's so been your... advocating for keeping that. Like he even yeah. said tomorrow they're keeping it. So well, it's their only good line. So so it's yeah. normally well normally the last couple of games it was Formanton Paul Brown. Right now Brown's out. So do you think they just keep Formanton and Paul together? I think you put Sokolov up there. Just swap Sokolov for Brown. Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah. And then that is that out of the question? Uh no, I mean, who else would you even play at right wing? Exactly. I mean, the, the only yeah. thing I could see is you put Formanton and then you put Tierney at center and put Paul to the right wing. Mm-hmm. That's all I could. Really who the hell see. does Timmy play with then? Oh, that's a very. You know what? That's a good point. I kind of forgot. Yeah, about that. they they could put Ennis on the second line. So I, okay, Ennis. I think the point should be making the second line. If they're going to keep the first line, you should revolve the second line around Timmy. So let's yes. put Timmy on left wing, right? Okay. Who is the best center? Paul? Paul. Okay. Logan Shaw. Gambrell. Paul. No, no, no. Put Paul there and then put Sokolov on right wing. That'd be, that'd that? be good. That'd be fun. That'd, that'd be interesting. I'd, I'd like that. Yeah, no, that's actually... You know what? I, I feel like DJ could get around okay. to maybe trying that. Okay, so let's 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 say hypothetically that's the second line, right? Stitzel, like, Paul, Sokolov. That gives you Formanton, Tierney. Like, that'll be on the third that, line no yeah, matter and what. Ennis. And then Ennis. Which sure. not, was the line before they swapped Stutzel and Formanton for some reason. I don't know why they did that. Mm-hmm. And then that gives you Kelly, Shaw, and Gambrell. Oh no, Gambrell's out. Gambrell's out. Never mind. And, and who? <laughs> uh, who are we forgetting? Sabarin has to play. No, I think we... it was, it's twelve, no. not thirteen. Who's the Sanford. other Sanford. 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 Yeah. Sanford. Yeah, you're right. So, Kelly, Shaw, Sanford. Whatever. That's not bad. It's the fourth line. I don't care. They should yeah. be playing 10 minutes. So. You could argue that Sanford could be playing on the third line, too. He's been good the last few games. I've but over who? That's like, that's it, right? Like, you have no idea. It's not Formington. It's probably yeah, I, I think by the, I think Kelly is better than Sanford, so I'd probably yeah. give Kelly top nine minutes before Sanford. Kelly, I don't think Kelly should be out of the lineup. Like, no. he's better than he's Logan been, Shaw. Yeah. He's better than Sanford. And he's better than Watson. He's better than Gambrell. Mm-hmm. So, I haven't minded I Gambrell that much i don't mind him but i would say kelly's been better the only thing I, yes. he's not much of a center like he's more of a winger but sure um man they need clark bishop back 
really that they do. Really hey, we never thought we'd get to this point, eh? They need Clark Bishop back. That's no, how but, good no, the season's going. In all seriousness, having Colin White would be huge. This would be as true. like like I know he, he hasn't been great, and I think just the cloud of his five, almost five million dollar contract weighs over that. Mm-hmm. But he's still a, a, a middle six player. Like if he was there for the to play right wing, which they kind of need, like their right wing is especially. I mean, now they've called up Sokolov, so at least he's there. But their right wing core is bleak. And what, what would like? Was, he was? You know who else we so, could use? We could have used Rudolph Balsers right now. Okay. Yeah. Don't get okay. Me started on that. <laughs> um, well, if we start on that, it's not going to end. No, dude. If hours. we start on that, we could have gone the pro Shabbat, The pro we could have gone Shabbat, Demello, Branstrom, Zub, Riley, Holden, and then hmm. we just completely different. Now? We we win the cup. <laughs> we could yeah, also we have cup. Eric Carls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we got Chara. If you want to go way far back, we could, do, we could do. You know, we could do Carlson, Mathot, Shabbat, Zub, Branstrom, Demello. Boom. There. We win. We win the cup. Char no, but then we don't have Timmy and Norris. Sad. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, so Colin Wood really is great. great. Like over his like he wasn't like not like second line guy, but third line point producer. Um, they could definitely use. I mean, you're like another thing I want to advocate for is playing the first power play unit more. Because yes. when you look at the second unit, <laughs> the guys on that power play are not. NHL power play type guys like just play the yeah. first unit more it, it's not like a normal shift right like not that they're standing still but unless they are struggling to enter the zone and they have to skate up and down the ice the whole time like you're pretty stationary for a power are. play and like you, I don't want to compare because the Oilers power play is in a completely different league but you watch like teams with the best power plays they have the best power plays because their best players are on both units Right, like McDavid, Drysaddle, yeah. and Nugent Hopkins are on both units. In Washington, like Ovi is on the power play the entire time. He's on both units. Obviously, Ovi moves like the least of any player in the league on the power play. But if you, like the Sens' first unit, the five guys they have make for a pretty decent power play. But then yeah. you throw out Sanford, Tierney. I mean, I I don't like I like Connor Brown, but he's not a good power play option. Not even the Nick Paul, so. and then. Last game was mostly Michael Delzato. Like, that's not – you're not going to score goals like that. Like, they were down by one. They were down by one to Tampa. I remember they, they got a power play. The first unit got 42 seconds. And then they took them off. And they're like, all right, second unit. The second unit played the last 120. Why? How do you expect to come back in the game when you're not letting your best players try and come in and score goals? And, and that's There's, just it, right? Like, it's – you talk about the second unit is not very good, and I agree with that. But it's also the first unit is looking – so good. The sentence yeah, had not had a power more play goals. unit look like this in so long. It is so refreshing. Yeah, yeah mm. like they, they should have more goals than what they do based on what it looks like. Yeah. Like what they're generating. They're getting a bit unlucky. But the way that those guys, I mean, it, I think it runs, obviously Shabbat plays the point, but I think the power play mostly runs through Batherson. Like the way he moves the puck so well, especially across the ice to Norris yeah. is very good. Um Stutzlow obviously looks good on the power play. And and I like, like, the last couple of games, you've seen them kind of play positionless. Like, they're each taking Move each other's around, spots yeah. and moving around. Yeah. And it's, like, like creating I've so seen, much havoc. Like, I remember that I see, like, sometimes Kachuk is, like, at the point. I'm like, what Yeah, I think that's on? a set play when they hit the and zone. Then, I know, and then, two goes, pass, then he goes right to the net. To the net and yeah. then people, it's great. No, it's fantastic. I, I, I'm a big fan of the first shoot. It's been, like, think how frustrating it has been to watch the Sens on the power play 
for the last five years. Like, you don't really. even think about the zone entry anymore. It's like, no, it's for automatic. Unit, for the first automatic. Unit. Do you know because why it's so many guys it's automatic? Do you know why? No drop that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have not seen no, but the but they, they do year. tend to do what they really like doing is get, go really fast. And then Kachuk's sitting there at the blue line where he has a skate outside the blue line but you pass to his stick inside the zone. So he's automatically on slide with zero speed, but then he can move it back to someone else really quick. Yeah. And it works pretty well. But yeah. you have Stutzla, Norris, and Batherson who can all enter the zone really well. And Batherson. And Shabbat, yeah. obviously. Batherson's <laughs> so, been ridiculous on the zone entries recently. Like you guys saw <laughs> against Tampa, yeah. the one that he had where he went end to end, that was nuts. <laughs> that wasn't mm-hmm. on the power play though, but... No. He's just been like a sneaky good zone entry threat and really been helping out the power play, right? Because you don't really think of Batherson as like a no. skater transition guy. You think of him as well, a Well, that's why guy. he got undrafted. Went undrafted the first time, right? Like, yeah, because he, he sucks. Got, yeah, because he couldn't skate. <laughs> and was small. they've turned him into, well, they've turned he's him into... He's not that small. He's no, he like, was. He was oh, small. he was yeah, small. Okay. Now he's 6'3". He's, he's, yeah. he's yeah. much bigger. <laughs> but he's turned into a a good skater like not necessarily above average but like he can keep up in the nhl yeah so sure it's yeah, all that matters yeah he's hey he's on pace for like 90 points this season so he definitely can't complain that's crazy Jeez. yeah yeah another, i mean i contract. i would take i would take a 90 point season out of, out of drake batherson i'd say i wouldn't be yeah. upset with that uh, that's a controversial opinion <laughs> so with all of that being said the Sens are going to have a very stupid and bad lineup tomorrow, and they will probably lose. But it will be funny, and hopefully Sokolov scores, because that would make a lot of people quite happy. And don't forget, we're playing the Bruins, so we are going to hard match the Del Zotto josh Brown <laughs> yeah. pairing against Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marshawn. And <laughs> yeah, you're it's right. going to be fun. And I don't, it's funny because I don't actually think the Bruins have had that good of a start to the year from what I've seen. Five and four. And yeah, it's the, not great. Uh, Jeremy Swayman starting tomorrow. He's a 900 so far. Here we go. So like, the but kids. I mean, we have Matt Murray starting tomorrow, so he's 0 and 3. So we only focus on the positives here on this podcast, actually. So the positives is in like Shane Wright positives. There's a too <laughs> yeah, early exactly. to say that. Mm-hmm. Wait a month. So let's leave it at that for the Sens, we've torched them enough. One thing that we do quite frequently on this podcast is we talk about Jack Eichel and we say, oh, this this whole situation is so funny. It's so stupid. The Sens should get him because it's so easy. Well, we can stop talking about it now because they actually happened. They actually did something and he's not on the Sabres anymore. He's on the Vegas Golden Knights. And I believe the full trade was Jack Eichel and a third for yeah. a oh boy let's let's see here Peyton Krabs yeah. uh, Alex Tuck yep. a first round pick top ten protected and a third round pick I believe that's the whole trade second second or second or second, second yeah because okay. I remember that the second that Vegas is giving up and then the third round pick that Buffalo's giving up are basically going to be like yeah picks apart. next to each other yeah yeah. Exactly. Um, so swap a couple spots but uh so what do we what do we think that that trade would look like from a sense perspective like yeah, swapping out equal pieces too. so obviously you have the first you have the second that doesn't change yeah i think well this the sense here's the thing though the sense first and second would be much more valuable than vegas's 
right? Because True. those are going to be higher picks than you take Eichel off of Vegas. You take well, not take Eichel off of Sens because they don't have him. But you know, the Eichel-less Senators are much worse than the Eichel-less Golden Knights. But but to I mean, if you do the thing you did with the Duchesne trade, where you make the pick top ten protected, the first round pick top ten protected, like the like the Knights did here, then who cares? Like I know obviously it, it really bit the sends in the ass that one time when they did it because that was just a complete miss, you know, mismanagement of talent and didn't know where they were. But getting Eichel probably makes this team a heck of a lot better. I'd say you could get away with a top ten protected first round pick if that's what was being offered. Sure, who cares? Worst mm. case, your pick is like eleventh, or you wait a year, and then hope yeah. You're good. <laughs> so yeah, so you have the first and the second. And then who, like, I think the closest Alex Tuck comparable. Connor Brown? I don't, that's what I was thinking, but I think Tuck has yeah, some you more potential. More. Because so, Tuck has never really been given a top six opportunity. Like, he's always been stuck on the third line. He has potential to, like, break out once he's healthy. Um, so you want to do Formanton? No, I, yeah, no, well, sorry. Connor Brown's a, a better player than Formanton. Yeah. But, but I feel you like you probably. Potential, you want to talk about potential? I'd say Formanton has more potential than Connor Brown. Um, the thing is that that the the reason they got Eichel is because they wanted a roster player, right? Like they wanted someone who could come in, well, fresh off his injury, he's injured right now. But I don't know if they have someone who's like a direct comparable. Yeah, you'd have to do Brown plus. Yeah. Okay, so easily. so Brown and 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 I don't know, throw in like a, a fourth. Tierney. <laughs> sure, Tierney. You know what? Buffalo, they probably take. It. I don't Tierney. think Brown. <laughs> I don't the sense to do that. Okay, but we're are the we sense. the sense? We're not the sense. Uh, like, let's say the the difference between Brown and Tuck is probably like, it's not huge. Okay, so let's Clark just say, Bishop. yeah, we'll we'll say it's okay. Clark Bishop. I was gonna say a third round pick. Clark Bishop. Sure. You know what? I don't think that they see much. Okay. Clark so Bishop. Alex Tuck yeah. equals <laughs> Connor Brown. <laughs> Plus Zach Sanford, Clark no, Bishop. and Zach Sanford, maybe. I don't know. There okay, you go. Fine. You know what? Sanford. Sanford. Zach Sanford. So, so. Deal. He's a Buffalo player. He's like Cage Thompson. It's like the Patrick Berglund <laughs> of the Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. The and then don't have a Krebs level prospect because they I have was... Anderson, who is a higher level, I'd say, prospect than yes, Krebs. But I then agree. there's a big gap. I'd say I was inclined to say Pinto plus. Pinto. It would have to be Pinto and then maybe. Um, Lassie Thompson, like a defenseman okay. prospect, especially right-handed, because Buffalo has so many left-handed D. K train. Oh, okay, left-handed. Or I mean, well, Clevin plays the right side. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, true. I would say either unless either another forward like Robbie Yarventi, um, <clears throat> Angus Kruchin. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, do you think he would be getting like getting a call up at this point with all the injuries and COVID going on? Given that they okay. seem to like him a ton, like the or who, who are you talking about? Crookshank. Crookshank. Do you yeah. think that he would have gotten a call up by now if he was healthy with all the injuries going on? I yeah. Uh, if he if he was doing what he did last year in the AHL, then yes. Okay. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I, I think that the next call up, if they need someone, I wonder if they'd call up Ridley Gregg from the WHL. Well, I think isn't Yarventi having a decent year right now he's yeah i don't know if i call him up yet he's like well can they are they allowed to recall greg yeah he's in the uh he's in junior but they won't do that mid junior season yeah i don't think they would 
they can't call anyone from the NCAA, but it's, it's well, not Tyler the same. Well, Tyler sucks, and also yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't suggesting that they do it. Um, Victor Lodine just waive his contract. <laughs> you know, isn't he having a good Come year on. right now? He's having a decent year. The thing is, they'll probably um, call up Castellick. Yeah. Like that's yeah, probably right. who's next right. on their right. on their board. Yeah. I think you know Pontus Auberg. Like he's not a prospect. Yeah, I'm like, surprised. When I'm watching, Agazina. when I'm watching, yeah, when I'm watching those games, like Pontus Auberg is like the most skilled forward there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, mm-hmm. so if we say like to replace Krebs, you're probably talking about two sense prospects. Two, two mid tier, mid, mid, upper, upper mid tier. Yeah. Like a B plus, B plus prospects. Mm-hmm. So let's say Pinto and Thompson. Sure. In my opinion, that works. So, so the full trade, it's Pinto, Thompson, Brown, Sanford, first and second. For do you do that for Jack Eichel? Obviously. Given, yeah. given, given the risks to his surgery and the fact that he hasn't played by the time he plays, like almost two years. I, I think I would do it just because look at the players who are, who are leaving, right? Losing Zach Sanford is not oh, a no. minus. <laughs> yeah. Losing Connor Brown is a bit of a minus, but getting There's so Jack many Eichel, middle six pieces coming up as prospects. Yeah, That's like, all we're drafting. Not worried about yeah. that. Losing Lassie Thompson. Yeah, maybe he was something. They have a lot of key prospects. Uh, they, so I, yeah, the, the way I see Lassie Thompson is, it, it's very interesting because a lot of people seem to think that Lassie Thompson is good defensively. There, I've seen people on Twitter say like, "Oh, you know, like Lassie Thompson's bigger than Brandstrom. Like, I'd rather see him come up." <laughs> because, <laughs> oh no, yeah, like Lassie Thompson's a, a very offensive-minded defenseman. Yes, like, yeah. So when you look at a left side of Shabbat, Sanderson, and Brandstrom, where which pair does Lassie Thompson fit on? Maybe with Sanderson. That's yeah. the only one I see. Has he? I know you've watched a couple games. Has his? Because I remember in his draft year, like one of the draws. Obviously, it was his, his big shot was part of it too. But I remember he had a very good transition passing numbers. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen him much because he's been injured. Oh yeah, that's like, true. I've been watching more of the recent games, and he hasn't been in the lineup. He's only played five games this year. Okay, yeah, I was um, wondering if he was still you know elevating that or showcasing it, but oh. no, I. I having stuff with him but i don't understand the notion of like all right let's call up thompson instead because he's more he's better defensively like because i mean tall. neither of them are terrific defensively but yeah so i just don't necessarily like he's a good prospect but i don't ben know where Roger he fits. can't come soon enough <laughs> i don't know where he fits in the future lineup like your right side is ideally jacob renard docker zub and they have a third spot and obviously well, they're gonna add they're not just gonna make a six like it's six guys on D out of just prospects plus Shabbat. Like there's going to be free agent signings, trade, whatever for that sixth spot. And then a seventh spot too. So yeah. I don't know, but I'm just like kind of sidetracking on like giving up pieces that I personally don't really see long. Like Pinto is the only piece other than yeah, Yeah. But that you're I upgrading the there with Eichel by exactly. so much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh yeah. And, and even, even worst case. Down. Yeah. Even worst case, if, like, let's say that obviously we're still going to be bad this year, especially since Eichel won't be playing. And if the, that pick is top 10 protected, you move it over next year. At that point, yeah. you still have more development and you get yeah. a full season of healthy Eichel, most likely. And just yeah. so <laughs> you hope. Yeah. Um, let's talk in more hypotheticals here because this isn't actually happening. My favorite. I hate <laughs> yeah. the realistic sense right now. Go on. Oh, so man. our more realistic trade targets or free agent targets would be Claude Giroux. 
yeah as a possibility for next year but that's yeah. hopefully we can talk about that over the summer <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking we we will not bring up Claude Giroux maybe the trade deadline if there's a miracle but no chance we bring up Claude Giroux in this podcast the next I'm next gonna month. just bring him up next week just to prove you wrong oh, then maybe I'll leave <laughs> <laughs> then you can be a two man. Well, we're minutes. not recording if Branch himself is scratched tomorrow, anyway. That is all true. right. Yeah, we're we're done. So, this might be the last. Yeah. This might be the last episode, guys. This is kind of crazy. It's gone so fast, dude. It's bad because that's actually super likely. Yeah, it's definitely. A we had a good run. Yeah. Oh yeah, seventeen yeah. episodes. Good for us. Hey, it's better than. If I can't, if I can't edit the podcast and put it out before the scratch, it's just never happening. Like the podcast nope. is dead. Podcast dead. Done. Yeah. Gone. Nobody will know why. It's just, just like, scratch. oh, what happened to the Zoom cast? No one will say because nobody, nobody cares. Except for our one Bangladesh listener. Thank you. That was funny, eh? We have a Bangladesh. If hey, if you're listening from Bangladesh right now, that's good. Like, please send us like an email or something. We'll like <laughs> have you on as a guest. It'll be good. Um, can I just like have like point out last no. year? Like we can re- we remember how crappy of a start the Sens had, right? Oh, I is fresh in my Through mind. Through yes. eleven games, th- guess how many more wins we have this year than last year? One. Yes, two. We were hey. two eight and one at this point last year, or three seven and one right now. The lads. Um. On that note, let's end it. Let's end this episode. I agree. On this on this optimistic note, um. Hope we see you guys next episode of Branch from Plays. I can't confirm that that's going to happen, but we'll see. We're putting a lot of stock into one, one game, one player. We're putting a lot of stock into DJ Smith liking Branch from Plays. Yeah. yeah, right after we spent 20 minutes talking about how no one's confident in him anymore. But, oh, well, this is what being a sense fan is all about, folks. Blind hope. Get used to it. Uh, thank you again so much, as always, for listening Tell your friends, tell your family to listen to the Zoocast. It's great, great little activity to do. Um, and we uh, probably will see you next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye.